Hey, podcast listeners, it's Representative Liz Olson. And this is Representative Jamie Long. And we are here with Chair Tina Liebling, also the chief author of one of our MVP Top 10 Bills. So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Glad to be here. So we always start out our podcast by asking you to tell us a little bit about your district. So tell us about the place you call home. Well, my district is number 26A, which is part of Rochester. It happens to be the part that has the Mayo Clinic main campus in it. But it's also um, got a lot of other things in it, too. And one of the things I like to tell people about it is that it's very diverse, both economically and it has a lot of people from a lot of different places. So it's a very interesting place to represent. And uh, I really have loved representing it. I'm in my eighth term. Awesome. Well, we're glad to have you here. You are known uh, probably inside and outside the Capitol as someone we look to to lead on health care. In this session in particular, you have really picked up some big stuff. Um, and one of the things we've, we've talked about as part of our value of caring for one another in Minnesota is that we create a health care system that makes sure people have access to quality, affordable health care. And that's a big part of what you're doing. So tell us about House File 3 and the work you're setting out to accomplish with that bill. Well, House File 3 is um, started out as a, a program to help people who are in the individual insurance market but really can't afford to get the insurance they need. And this has just become a huge problem for a relatively small number of people. But for if you're in that category, it's an enormous problem. And so um, it now is a bill that um, is uh, the governor's program called One Care, which has several elements to it. And I'm really excited about a couple of those elements, which are sort of a new benefit program. One is for dental care for people on public programs. Another one, though, is for um, a, a pool for buying prescription drugs. And what really excites me about this is that it starts out for people on public programs, but eventually it will expand and lower the price of pres prescription drugs for everybody in Minnesota should they care to use it. And I'm excited about this because one pretty sure way we can lower those prices is by using the state's buying power. The more people in that pool, the more leverage we have to drive down those prices. And that's something I think can help everybody in our state. So it's a really important, good start. And then another element is to fill this gap with insurance that will be affordable and that will work better for the people who have to buy their own private insurance. And I've, I've heard a lot about that in my district, and I know a lot of our members have heard a lot about that, that there's a real crisis of affordability for a lot of Minnesotans right now in being able to purchase insurance. And so how would this help uh, individuals who may not like the insurance options that they have right now? Well, right now, even if you can afford the premiums, most of the time you've got very steep out-of-pocket costs. So even people who are paying many, many thousands of dollars may not actually have access to care. So this would put another product on the market that would be affordable, that would cover a lot more. And one of the really big changes is that the state would step in to help control the price well, that people would be paying, so that nobody would pay more than 10% of their income for their insurance. And that would be a, just a huge step forward, because if anybody's uninsured in our state, it really hurts all of us. 
And we're going to get technical here for a minute because both of us sit on the health care committee. So, but I think this is something that people would want to know. And listeners, when, when I sat through committee and I understood more about this program and how we have done reinsurance in the past or why this is such a good option, is talk about how the funding actually goes, you know, the, the consumer sees the benefit without essentially having to have a middleman, a, you know, the managed care organizations, the insurers in the middle. Can you speak a little bit about why this is such a great part of this program? Well, here's my analogy, and maybe it's not a perfect one, but I think this helps explain it. So if I want to help you uh, buy dinner at a certain restaurant, and I want to um, help bring down the cost of your dinner, I could give you a 20% coupon to go in and buy your dinner, and then you would know that you were getting 20% off the price of that dinner. But what if I went instead and said, I'm just going to help the restaurant buy the steak, in the back of the restaurant, and then they're going to go and reduce the price of everybody's dinners. That buy the steak, reduce the price is kind of what the Republican reinsurance plan does. It says, let's give the insurance companies a bunch of money to help them deal with their high costs, and then they'll just pass it on to everybody. Well, maybe they will, maybe they won't. We don't know if they do. We don't have a good way to track whether they do. What, what we're doing in our bill instead is giving everybody 20% off the top, so that's more like your coupon, but then in addition to that, making sure that the entire cost doesn't get to be more than 10% of your income. That sounds like a good way to go. <laughs> when you put it that way, it's so straightforward and helpful. And another thing just to be thinking about in the landscape around how this program is successful is the provider tax. And so can you explain how the provider tax factors into our ability to do a program like the One Care program? We have this thing in Minnesota called the Healthcare Access Fund. And for about 27 years, and this was begun in a very bipartisan fashion under a Republican governor, we started this thing called the provider tax, and the money goes into the fund. It's not the only money that goes in there, but it really supports a lot of the things we do in our state around health care. It really helps everyone. It keeps our rural small hospitals afloat. It helps provide health care for people on our public programs, which is now about 20% of our population, and it also supports health care activities that affect everyone, like um, work that our Department of Health does that supports a healthy Minnesota population. And very importantly, at a time when the Trump administration is going after our health care and trying to take health care away from people in every way they can, it gives Minnesota the flexibility to be able to respond to changes coming down from the federal government and make sure that Minnesotans are not swept away in that tide, that people will have access to affordable care and that we can respond to those kinds of things coming from the feds. So in the work that you've been doing on this bill and some of the other affordability work you've been doing this session, what are some of the stories that have stuck out to you about why this work is so important and what it will mean to folks in our state? Well, one of the things that I've had in my personal experience lately is I was down in Florida visiting a relative, and um, my relative uh, has... ALS, that terrible disease where you progressively lose control over your body, and um, his wife is caring for him. And in Florida, there's really very little that the state does to help. It's really a terrible situation. You spend down your assets, and as far as the state goes, you're pretty much on your own. Here in Minnesota, we have 
not perfect, of course, but we are really a state that says we want to help people. We want to have a safety net. We know that these kinds of things can happen to anyone. And we are constantly trying to be better at supporting people when those kinds of things happen. We really have that ethos that we all do better when we all do better. And watching my relative go through this and watching his wife struggling to care for him has really been heartbreaking. I don't want that to happen to anybody in Minnesota. We need to join hands together and make sure that we take care of people when, when those things happen. And I think that's a really good illustration of we're taking care of each other. And, and even how I've watched you craft this and work through it, you're someone who balances policy and people really well and thinking about how those things come together. Can you share a little bit about how you've worked on maybe this issue around uh, you, you, for example, you bring together really great voices in a committee hearing and you work with different groups that have different interests, but can you speak to a little bit more about your work on, you know, it was maybe the first kind of the Minnesota, the care buy-in and now it's the one care, but just how you see different groups coming together, different people coming together to really work to make sure this works for Minnesota. Well, in this bill, there are lots of different kinds of things. There's a lot that addresses issues of the disability community. There are things that address seniors. There are things that address children. Um, it's really about everybody and how we're going to move forward together because we know we have a changing dynamic in our population. More of us are older. More of us have disabilities. So it's really been important to bring the voices together, to bring the members together who have a lot of expertise and a lot of, and are hearing from people in their districts, and to say, how can we make this thing work the best for everybody? Because we are constantly balancing we, the limited resources we have, which we will always have limited resources, and how can we use what we've got to impact the most people in our population? And I have to say that um, our focus on children this session is really heartening to me because our kids are really, a lot of them are in very difficult situations and we cannot afford to leave any child behind, to use that phrase that was so misused. But um, our kids really need the best possible start, both because that's the kind of people we are, but also we need them, every single one of them, no matter where they're from, no matter what they look like, they need to be active and really to be able to grow to the full extent of their abilities to participate in our economy. Yeah. And you've put together both just for listeners, you know, we're sitting in the middle of omnibus week. We're seeing the last of our omnibus bills be coming off the, the house floor, our budget bills that will go to negotiation with the Senate. So the provision we're talking about, our house file three is actually in our health and human services omnibus budget bill that was uh, passed. And so representative Liebling will be carrying that into committee. So can you just speak to a little bit about what's the process now? What's the Senate have going on and, and where we're going with this? Well, sure. And the Senate has a very different bill. In fact, uh, not only different in terms of the money that they were given to spend in their bill, but what their priorities seem to be. The biggest difference right now is that their numbers really don't hold together. Their budget is made up of a lot of numbers that have no basis in them. So the very first thing we have to do is get to real numbers. You can't negotiate with fake numbers. So um, that's going to be our first challenge. Um, when the leadership decides what our total is going to be, then we're going to get into the nitty-gritty on each of these proposals. But the, the bills are very, very different. Um, their bill gets rid of all our child care assistance program 
just takes all the money away that helps our struggling low-income families with childcare so that they can work and pull their own families out of poverty. Um, that's a big difference. Uh, they cut some of the really important benefits under our Medicaid program that really would result in people being sicker and end up costing us more in the end. So we've got some huge differences to work out, and it's going to be a real challenge. But I'm optimistic that once we figure out how much money we can spend, that we're going to work together and be able to move forward. And what have you heard from Minnesotans as you've gone through this process? It seems like there's a pretty stark contrast in visions uh, for how we're taking our health care system. And one, our vision, your vision, is making sure that we're investing more in providing additional affordability in our health care system. And the other is really trying to roll back some of the protections that we have in our state. And are you, are you hearing that folks want to uh, go in one direction or the other? I think that health care is super important to Minnesotans. It's very personal to everyone. And I think people understand that we have to have a system that functions for everyone and that if some people don't have care, they still get sick and it ends up costing all of us. So we need to make sure that we maintain a good, a healthy system and make sure that everybody, everybody gets the care they need when they need it so that they don't get sicker. And this is important if you think about infectious diseases, if somebody gets the measles, we're all at risk. So we need to have a system that responds effectively. And we have a tradition of that in Minnesota. It's something important to maintain. And it seems like as a state, that would set us up pretty well, right? We have employers who come to the state. We have employees who come to the state in part because they have the ability to have a healthy workforce in part because they have the ability to have access to health care for themselves and their families. Is that, is that something you've seen? Absolutely. Quality of life is really important. In fact, in my own district, I often meet elderly people who have moved to Minnesota. Now, if they live in my district, often they came to be near the Mayo Clinic, but they also came sometimes because they have a child with disabilities, and they know that the disability services are better in Minnesota than in many places. Now, let me just say, we have a long way to go, a lot of challenges, but we still are really ahead of the pack when it comes to helping people who need a little bit of a hand up. I like that. And we're building on what's good and we want to continue that. And you've done phenomenal work on painting a vision of where we're going and been a real champion. So I'm excited to see uh, you take this into conference and hoping for good results. So as we wind down here on our podcast, we ask each of our members to share a fun or interesting fact about themselves that maybe listeners don't know. So you got one? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, it seems a little many years ago, many years ago, um, I studied karate and I happened to be a second degree black belt. Although it seems a little silly to say that because they have a saying in karate that it's like boiling water. And when you take away the heat, pretty soon you're just cold water. So I think I'm cold water, but I do still have that second degree black belt. A black belt in karate. And I feel like you're not the only one in our caucus that is a black belt in karate, which is really interesting. Do you know the other members? of? Well, Leon Lilly, I know, is a practitioner as well. And now I think that uh, Kaylee Herr, I believe has joined us so we have a caucus of karate the karate caucus how about that it's pretty good have you broken a board recently or has it been a little while oh not recently but <laughs> if i have to i will <laughs> well that'll, that'll probably serve you well in uh, 
in the conference committee process, I would think. <laughs> <laughs> I hope it doesn't come to that. <laughs> Let's hope. Great. Well, we really appreciate you being here, and thanks for your work on uh, health care for all Minnesotans. So that's our episode. Thanks so much for joining us. We are almost wrapped up with the Omnibus Bill Week, and then we're in conference week. So lots of action coming in the weeks ahead, so stay tuned. 